Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I have a good old friend of mine. Uh, he's actually a fraternity brother of mine of the Alpha Epsilon Pi fraternity. Um, he was before my time, though. But uh, I know him from uh, the Jewish Community Center at uh, UWM Hillel. Uh, he used to uh, play guitar uh, on the Friday night services. Uh, he plays in a, several projects out here in Milwaukee. Uh, among them are Angry Fix, the uh, what was it something Leslie's? Uh, the Anytime Leslie's. Anytime <laughs> Leslie's. Uh, and uh, the Nameless Travelers. Or he um, teaches at Guitar Center in Brookfield. He uh, teaches over at uh, UWM and at Old Flannel College. He's got his hands full. I'm glad he could uh, pencil me in here today. So, Jeremy Zellman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, bud. Yeah. How, yeah. How's your day going so far, man? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. I uh, got up. Did some did some mixing and editing on some recordings and uh, came here. Great. And now I'm drinking this delicious coffee in this adorable mug. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I um, yeah, uh, old girlfriend of mine gave me that. Um, but yeah, the uh, the classic Folgers roast. Nice. Yeah. Well, cheers. 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 What a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always uh, had a great time hanging out with you, and I'm excited to get into like what you have to say, like, creatively and passionately. So that's what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy. Excellent. Specifically, we examine love and fear through our creative minds. And um, before we get into all that, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so um, so we were just talking about this before the show, but uh, you haven't uh, been out at uh, Shabbat in a long time, have you? I'm not. No. <laughs> Another vibe. <laughs> Shout out, yeah. shout out to Deb and uh, Julie. Yeah, uh, but I, um, I moved to the suburbs recently. Uh, well, not that recently, like a year and change ago. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been tough to get out there. You know, kind of doing the the postgraduate thing, mm -hmm. and uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How is like uh, like compare? Comparatively, like living in the suburbs, because you're in Waukesha, mm -hmm. so like, how is that different than like living on the east side? Like, what were like some, what was like did, the biggest shift in your like, I guess, lifestyle? Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a night owl, you know, and so I, I teach. You know, usually I'll be teaching guitar lessons in Brookfield till nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. And by the time I get home, most of my favorite restaurants are closed in Waukesha. Right, yeah. um, so that's definitely a shift from the east side. And yeah. Because uh, you can get your midnight grub in so exactly. many spots. I can, if I want like a fried tempura sushi roll, yes, I can get that after bar close on right. the east side. I don't Fushi. know where. Somewhere. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but it's like, but it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that mm -hmm. I can find something drenched in eel sauce <laughs> after bar clothes. Um, yeah. Right. Um, you know, my best bet in Waukesha is going to a Meyer that's open 24-7 right, yeah. grocery store sushi. Yeah, which just doesn't cut. No, it's uh, less you than know, optimal. I uh, love Meyer. Yeah. And for grocery store sushi, it's, it's sushi. Right. You know, it, it sure yeah, is. For but, sure. Uh, 
it's just not the same. No, so even there's even a difference in that with River West and the East Side. Um, like on the East Side, there's a lot of different spots you can get, like your late night, you know, mm-hmm. grub. Uh, if, if you're wasted and you're, <laughs> you're getting the munchies, like you can go to Sal's Pizza, you can go to Oakland Euros, you can go to. Um, Mock Fishers, Fishers. Oh my god, yes uh, <laughs> You can go to Ian's, you can go to There's so many options But here in River, in River West Really like the late night Grub up here is Pita Palace Which is really really Sounds. good yeah. It is really good um, But that's like Pretty much the only spot that's open To like 2-3am Out he- like over here uh, So you know, River West I think In the last Um I mean, I, I would say probably in the last five to ten years, I mean, so I kind of saw it happen while I was in school, uh, really made a shift from kind of, you know, low income to a lot of family housing. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and, and not to say that I think River West has done a pretty good job, you know, it hasn't really gone over the top in gentrification mm-hmm. uh, and still kind of, you know, maintained itself as right. a, a really affordable community. Yeah. Um, that loves music. That loves music. Yes, yeah. I mean, if you're a gigging musician in Milwaukee, you're coming to River you're coming West. To River West. You're Maybe. playing Bremen. You're playing High Dive. You're playing Linemans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's my understanding that you, like you were saying, that mm-hmm. you're paying what you were paying on the East Side to live in the suburbs. Oh, for yeah. A pretty good situation. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, as as much as I have my gripes with the suburbs for. Uh, well, various reasons, um, yeah. you know, um, politics and sort of culture right. and um, not having late night grub. Yeah, uh, essentially. Yeah. We got a Taco Bell that's open oh, at right. midnight, so okay. it's not that late. Sure. It's okay. Sometimes you got to get that cheesy yeah. gordita crunch. I think Baja they, Blast. Are they getting that off the menu, I thought? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I will say, you know, it's, it's amazing because I went from... From um, you know sharing a two bedroom with um, with a, a good friend of, of ours, Alex Seinfeld. What's up, Alex? Alex. Uh, but uh, we did. Um, you know, I went from from that situation, which was a good situation while I was still in school, um, to living in, in a really wonderful townhouse. Alex has been out there. Uh, I, you know, I moved in with my, my girlfriend of, of two years now. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, and we've really been, uh, you know, making it a home rather than just kind of a flop pad. Yeah. Um, right. Which, you know, there's, there's sort of, a um, an impending end to everything on the east side mm-hmm. if you're a student, yeah. you know, living out that way. Right, because you're, you're going lease to lease. You yeah. know, like I lived in a different house every year in school. Yeah. Um, here, like, I mean, I don't want to keep doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty settled here for now yeah. with where I'm at in life. But um, one thing I think would be interesting is, like, do you find it more difficult to, like, be playing music loud like at night or something like so i find it actually um that my situation for that is a lot better okay um you know it's it's not a, a building with paper thin walls sure uh, i don't have neighbors stopping around above me mm-hmm. um you know and so to be able to play music it's like I've, I've gotten to know my neighbors on either side sure um you know we we 
purposely went and found a two-bedroom, even though Rachel and I only need a one-bedroom, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but we found a two-bedroom so that I could have a studio space, so that I could have yeah. a place for my instruments that... Uh, you've seen my instrument collection it's at different fast. points. Yeah. It's, it's come down a bit since probably the last Downsized. time you saw it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, more quality, less quantity. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but, you know, it's, it, this way, you know, we're not tripping over guitars in the living room. Yeah. We don't have amps stacked up in a corner. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, if the amps are stacked in a corner, it's in their own room. Yeah, um, exactly. Sure. And you know, and so I got to talk to the neighbors where, where we have the the shared wall there. Uh, I've got to know them pretty well, actually. A lovely uh, older couple, mm. Mark and Kathy. Nice. Um, yeah. And um, you know, and it's their spare bedroom for when they have company is sharing the wall. Oh, okay. Um, and so you know, I we've exchanged numbers. You know, early on when I moved in there. If you're a musician, get to know your neighbors and exchange yeah. numbers. Yeah. Let them call you before they call the cops. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. That's just, that's my elderly advice for the day. <laughs> um, yeah, but, for um, sure. It's but, good, yeah. But yeah, man, you know, cranking, you know, high wattage amplifiers and making recordings, and they've said, we've never heard you. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't know, part of it is probably the construct of the building. Um, you know, it's it's an older uh, building, probably built, you know, 30, 40 years ago, maybe sure. in the 80s or 90s. Yeah. Uh, which I had to kind of do the math in my head real quick to say that 30 or 40 years ago is actually the 80s That's or 90s. So, yeah, still getting used it's to that. It's still like 20 years ago should right. be the 80s to yeah. me, but yeah. uh, not the case. Totally. Um, yeah, it's you have to establish that rapport with your neighbors yeah. so that they well, and even if you're not a musician that's just something. oh yeah it's you're being a nice guy if you do it right you uh, that's the shameless plug shameless <laughs> i because <laughs> i've i and i have like done that like uh um when I was living over on the 33 block of Kramer my junior year of college mm. like that was when I, I know the block. Yeah, right. That was when I, I, was, I was I was working in uh, neighborhood outreach with the university at that time. I okay, I came to that block. You probably did. <laughs> yeah, but it's you would so you you know it's like oh, a yeah, more family oriented, oh, yes. uh, more resident uh, oriented block rather than a college neighborhood. Yeah, and me, which, which seems to be like where you are now as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, back then, like that was when I was president of the fraternity. So like. I wanted to have people over. I wanted to have fun with my friends. And, well, and you know, I mean, if, if you're building a, a fraternal atmosphere, um, you know, it, fraternities in Milwaukee are, are inherently different than fraternities in Very other cities. Very much so, yeah. Um, but if you still want a sense of brotherhood, you need to have get-togethers. Totally. If you're just going to pay dues and be involved right. in something that doesn't do anything. Right. In the same way, we are a very DIY fixed creative scene. The fraternities in the UWM are very DIY. Oh, yeah. So, like, for sure. You're not, yeah, like, we didn't have fraternity houses. Yeah. We didn't have, um, you know, there's yeah. no Greek row. Right. I mean, legally, it, it just you can't. isn't yeah. uh, possible in Milwaukee. Exactly. Or housing. Right, yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, we were trying to do what we could with our situation, and like, I tried to establish that um, that trust with my with my next door neighbor, 
and she like she was like in her 30s she worked like really early mornings and she uh was not pleased with me on various occasions because I was having people over and like we were being kind of loud sometimes and like and that happens you know like I and there were you learn right you, you, you live and you learn we had confrontations and we didn't end up on the the best foot that being said um you know so she, she was not a fan of me while we were living there, but then I saw her at the Black Rose, like, after I moved out, and I was like, hey, we're cool, right? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah, like, you're, you're young, and, you know, you're, you're just, you're out of there now, so. You know, that's, that's, that's also, like, a thing that, like, I feel like people in their late 20s into their 30s like to tell people in their early 20s is, you're young. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm like five years old. Right, yeah. You're young. But, but the 20s are a very, you know, it's a transformative time. It is, you know, I mean, for, for a lot of folks, and especially um, a lot of folks at UWM, a lot of folks, you know, really going to college uh, in their 20s for the first time, it's the first time living away from their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, right. if, if we're thinking about the traditional uh, college, you know, setting, so it definitely um, creates sort of a it, it's it's an experience to learn. Yeah, you know, right. uh, you learn a lot of responsibility in your twenties, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. You learn budgeting, budgeting, something you, I'm yeah. still uh, largely adjusting to. Twenty-seven. I'm still struggling. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. Um, never been late on a rent payment. <laughs> Good. Or, hey. or an electric or cable or whatever. But Commendable. So, right. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, sometimes you, you know, um, I think it's a New Testament thing, actually, but there's always that, that verse that kind of, you know, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to put away the childish things. And right. So, every now and then it's like, oh, I guess I got to sell this record or, you know, yeah. this rare record I had because it's right. It's cool, but I gotta pay the bill, or I have right. to sell this guitar, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Bucking up those hours at work, or yeah, doing whatever it is. Right. You know. Deciding not to go out this night, yeah. or deciding if to. You only got $40 in your checking, and there's a $40 concert ticket, and you got another week till payday. Right. Yeah. Maybe you gotta reconsider your, right. you know, reevaluate. You're right. You gotta, you gotta pick and choose what you, what's, what your priorities are. And, I mean, in that specific aspect, I'm fortunate because breaking and entering can usually uh, can usually uh, like hook me up on like the press coverage. <laughs> oh, there you go. Dimension yeah. of like covering shows and getting tickets mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm good on that, and that's very important to me. So I'm yeah. I'm in a good situation there, but I'm also like, you know, I like to uh, I like I still like to do leisurely things. Last night mm-hmm. I went to a Brewers Cubs game. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, I just spend a, I had to buy a lift for us there and back, 16 bucks each way. And, uh, it was an, and then 18 bucks on a, on the ticket for the yeah. game. And like, well, now I just spent 50 bucks on a night out. It's like, damn, like yeah. I, that's 50 bucks yeah. I don't have anymore. You know, people, people lose a lot more than that at one night at the casino though. So. Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah I try true. to. I stray away from that. <laughs> you, can, you can always frame it that way, I right? Suppose, yeah, if you, if you want. To. Right. Yeah, I I, th- uh, I try to think of like how I'm, you know, well, I don't 
I'm not going out and like frivolously spending money on drinks or sure. or like you know doing things like I did that a lot in my twenties. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. I'm not doing that as much. So I'm thinking about it like, well, I look at it this way. I could have spent that money like going out this night, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Instead, I spent it on like an actual experience. Yeah. So was it a good experience? It was. Uh, yeah, we. It was a fun game, actually. It was a Cubs hit a grand slam. Uh, I was with two of my best friends, and we were in the nosebleeds, and we were, uh, we were, we tailgated a little bit before the game. We had a great time. And again, I mean, there's there's that, you know, there, there's sort of a a fraternal experience with friends, mm-hmm. you know, that it sounds like you were able to Very. to capture in the yeah. evening. And, You'll probably look back at that oh, five yeah. years from now, ten years from now. Yeah, say, yeah, that was awesome. Oh yeah, exactly. It's like Let's a, do that again, guys. Right. <laughs> I remember that a lot better than you know if I would have just gone to a bar and if you, to, if you go to Black Rose, running into old neighbors. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you're spending fifty bucks at the bar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me buy you fifty dollars worth of beverage. <laughs> right. Don't I owe you from that one time? <laughs> Rest in peace, Black Rose. Um, Still miss that place, mm. but anyway. So I want to talk yeah. about your music, Jeremy. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we've, we've kibitzed here for a while. We have. Um, so Jeremy, uh, there's one thing I remember from our Shabbat dinners and like you know hanging out with you, talking to you about what you do. Uh, last I remember, you were like writing symphonies. Um, not not so much symphonies, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah, I was I was you know I, I went to school for. Uh, music composition. Got sure. my masters um, from UW Milwaukee mm-hmm. in um, composition and music theory. Sure. Uh, my undergrad was music composition and technology. So, sure. um, so naturally, I, I do a, a lot of writing. I write a lot of music, um, and uh, so you know, the last time um, that I, I think, was really writing like a commissioned work, that you know, a piece that was. Not for me to perform or for my band to perform. Sure, it's, um, it's probably my master's thesis, um, and it was uh, intense. Yeah, um, sure, you know I, you know, UWM is a very modern composition school, um, so you're not writing you know a symphony in C. You're writing, you know, um, a, a lot of things that are really expanding. Um, you know, music theory into the 21st century, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, it's it's been really. I think it's a worthwhile experience for a lot of people who hear that kind of music for the first time. Um, I think it's kind of hard, <clears throat> hard to digest. It's not super palatable at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, very cerebral music is maybe sure. one way to sure. to describe it. Like uh, very like just meticulous sort of. It's it's very process driven. Sure, At least the, yeah. the stuff that I've written has been very process uh, oriented. <coughs> um, and so you know my in my graduate school years, especially my my thesis year, uh, I was you know particularly you know I'm gonna borrow some language from John Cage, but my approaches are very not John Cage. Uh, but I wanted to take the composer out of it a little bit. Okay. You know, I got so meticulous. I made so many minute choices um, in in the process, and so I really wanted to sort of create um, 
you know, a little bit more process-driven music that maybe I created the process, but then I could sit back and watch it unfold. Sure, yeah. Um, and sometimes it was just as much a surprise for me where a musical piece went yeah. as it was for the listener. Um, and beyond that, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, I come from kind of a jazz background. Uh, you know, I, I've written lots of, of jazz music in high school and in my undergrad. Um, but I really got to a point, um, you know, where improvisation became very important sure, yeah. uh, to my music making as well. Um, and I think it, it's really directly from jazz and, um, you know, I've, I've done some free improvisation and, uh, you know, things like that where we're less concerned even with melody and more with, here's a massive sound and here's, you know, Again, you know, it can be hard to palate for yeah. a lot of people sure. um, until you kind of learn what you're listening for, I think. Because you were doing like the whole like arrangements of it too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was doing um, quite a bit. And that was another thing that I was, I was really trying to back <clears throat> away from uh, in, in my thesis here there was that I was, um, I wanted to be able to write pieces that could be for any instrumentation, mm -hmm. whether it was solo voice or symphony orchestra yeah. you know, and you could really kind of um, create a piece that that was that malleable mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so actually I ended up with like a deck of cards um, with pitch names on it and mm -hmm. then if like you turned it upside down you had different pitch names on the yeah, staff you sure. know um, and so the idea was, okay, if you have this, um, you know, and then each card not only gave you pitches, but it also then gave you um, a duration to say, you have these pitches, play them for this long. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and I think it went from 50, no, I'm sorry, from 5 seconds to 80 seconds. Yeah, I mean, so some of them were very quick, mm -hmm. and then on to the next card. Uh, and some of them were, were very long. And then there were also cards that prescribed that a player rest and sit yeah. out, don't play. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like having a few of those in there. It's like there's the distinct possibility that the entire ensemble might be sitting for 30 seconds in silence. Yeah, well. And that's kind of terrifying. Yeah, right. That that might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so I was, I was conducting pieces um, with this, uh, this was called Cards Against Tonality. Oh, wow, um, right. And so I actually, there, I, uh, there's a, a band camp album out there of, of a number of different um, approaches to how to play this piece. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually used that piece to organize my master's thesis oh, wow. um, later on, which was a commissioned piece for solo saxophone and electronics. Okay. And I said, okay, so I've used this as sort of a, a mobile score where it's going to be different every time and it's a little bit of like a guided improvisation, but not that guided. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. Because I'm still leaving a lot of choices out um, yeah. to the cards. Interesting. Um, sure. But this became then, a, I decided it was going to be a duet. Okay. Uh, for between the, the saxophone and between the electronics. And so uh, I kind of sat there and was dealing cards back and forth for a while, kind of adding up the time frame I wanted. Um, 
them to be more or less equal. Mm -hmm. So it was a little trial and error. But then once I found sort of sections that I could piece together and, mm -hmm. and have two parts be essentially equal, um, you know, equal in length sure. and, and of equal importance, I think, was a big part of it yeah. for me as well. That I didn't just want to have solo saxophone and electronic accompaniment. I really mm -hmm. wanted two equal players. Yeah, that. sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and so, you know, getting into modern music that way has been really eye-opening, and it's I do a lot less of that now. Um, and, and frankly, you know, it's having the uh, having a university behind you to sort of orchestrate some of these connections is huge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, some of the people I learned about, I mean, you look like the Bang on the Can ensembles and sort of the New York minimalists playing each other's pieces. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's the way it works a lot yeah. more often. Yeah. Um, and the way that that's worked, um, you know, in, in some ways has been let's make a band of people who are interested in interesting music. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, you know, and that's, anyway, with, with the, uh, with my thesis, you know, it, it became a whole process of, I developed this process with the cards of how to write a piece, mm -hmm. wrote the piece. And then I was still left with, here's what the electronics are going to do. How do I make that happen? as a pliable thing that a performer can have some control over. Sure. So I actually had to write software as well. Sure, sure. So well, I mean, it was, it was a really encompassing yeah. experience. Um, like doing some coding? I was doing coding. Wow. I was doing some object-based coding. Oh, wow. Uh, in Max, um, uh, Max uh, MSP, I think is the... Yeah. It's a very, uh, very yeah. multifaceted process yes. yeah and um and you know with really any band i think that i've ever been in um you know having a master's degree um in the milwaukee music scene isn't unheard of you know i've i've played with people who have doctorate degrees yeah and, and they're still playing in bands you know right. it's something that they love to do um so it doesn't need to be a one-sided thing where i am an academic musician or i'm playing in a bar Right, yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, it's, it's a lot of times, it is both. Yeah. Uh, in my personal experience, I think I've probably uh, been the most formally educated musician in, in most bands that I've sure. played in, especially um, since getting a, a master's degree in mm -hmm. music. Um, yeah. You know, and I think um, that experience has, has really been incredible because uh, incredible and sometimes frustrating yeah because I think a lot of a lot of folks in my bands will will kind of look to me and say you've done things mm -hmm. you should make the thing right yeah I say, well can you call Linnemans and book a gig? Yeah, 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 right, <laughs> do yeah. I need to do all that? right yeah. um, and and you know I, I, I love doing the organizational side of it as well mm -hmm. so I really don't mind um, but it's um, it's a beautiful thing to to sort of have been involved in something in, in all of these different angles and to know that there's still things out there that I want to do and I hope to do and yeah. will do. Right. Like, yeah. Do or do not. It's on the agenda. Try, right? yeah. um, 
But particularly, uh, Angry Fix has been a lot of fun for me. Um, because I'm playing bass, yeah, which is uh, just a fun instrument to begin mm -hmm. with. I've played guitar in really every other band I've, mm -hmm. I've taken seriously. Um, and it's it's a little bit of shoegaze, you know, it's like we got two guitarists who are coming more from from sort of the scene than the academy. Sure. Um, and I say that very lovingly because the way they look at things is so different than the way right. I do. And it's refreshing. Right. Um, it's very based, it's very like environmentally based. Well, it's environmental and it's, there's something really, you know, it, I, you know, if you love music, don't go to school for it because it's <laughs> going to take some of the love away. Sure, yeah. It becomes a very heady thing. Right? Analytical. It becomes very analytical. Yeah. And it, and, um, You're not the first to say that. I've heard you know, people say and, that. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's true. I mean, I, it's, um, there's uh, a reality behind it that you know you spend so much time in analysis and you spend so much time in thought about mm -hmm. it. It takes some of the spirituality away. Totally. Yeah. And so it's really refreshing for me to play with with these two guitar players, Brian, Jordan. You guys rock. Um, and because there, there's there's a real emotion and a real feeling to what they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I feel, you know, kind of like a not a nice guy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like a jerk because I'm because I'm sitting there and they're playing this beautiful music, um, or this this you know tragic music. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting there just thinking, okay, so what is that that they're doing? You're right. Yeah. What are they playing? I need to analyze. Right. It. Sometimes sometimes <laughs> you gotta be a a Mister Real Guy. Yeah. You, know? you gotta. I mean, you gotta tell some, someone like it is, you know. Yeah, and and, and I think it's it's really um, I I try and catch myself when I'm getting too much involved yeah. in analysis and not enough in feeling the music, the emotion, um, right? And the emotion, and um, and and I really think there is something spiritual to music. Totally, it's that whole emotion versus reason dynamic, you know, right? That you get faced with. Yeah, well, and. And you and uh, Yanni Chud now. Shout uh, out Yanni he's been on the show. Yeah, he's a um, that dude's a he is a uh, he Yanni is just you can you know he's in the room or like he's in the vicinity because you can hear him from miles away. He's got that booming voice. He does. Yeah, Benjamin. Hello. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, he's a very he's I've a very working on my Yanni impression. Yeah, he's so. a very dynamic guy. Uh, but you know yeah. when he gets when he gets pensive and when he gets thoughtful about something, he really becomes a lot less boisterous. He he become he comes he comes in this close, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, and and just a loving guy, and he's got a wonderful jazz background. Yeah. Um, so he's no stranger to improvisation, um, and he's very open to. Uh, to trying new things mm -hmm. um, musically, which is I'm probably more than musically too, um, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, and and so Yanni's been amazing to work with, and we have a second percussionist in the band, oh, wow. um, uh, Alex Keimel, who I've worked with both okay. in Anytime Leslie's and Nameless Travelers. Sure, uh, he's always been playing drum kit 
and in this one he's doing auxiliary percussion. Oh, sure. So he's playing congas and he's playing bongos oh, nice. and he's playing cowbells and he's playing. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but just it's such a thick texture. So it's kind of fun. I think he and I are on this journey together of we're going to go do this band doing this thing where we're both capable but we usually don't get the, the opportunity to do it. Right, yeah, um, yeah. Me playing bass and him doing more auxiliary. That's work. why I really, there's merit to having multiple projects like together. It is, yeah. well, and, and because, you know, we have such a chemistry and a body language when we're on, on stage together and just in a room together um, that it, it's great to have that familiarity. Yeah. Jordan, who's one of the guitar players, is the bass player. And oh, cool. Angry Fix. Sure. I'm sorry, well, he's a guitar player in Angry Fix. Uh, he's the bass player in Nameless Travelers. Just doing a lot of you, swapping. You get you get uh, you get enough bands together, you start uh, to confuse them. Right. Especially yeah. when it's the same band members. Yeah, you're like which, uh, which outfit which are they playing right now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of fun because th that's sort of like the core trio of Nameless Travelers and we all get to go do something else yeah. in yeah. Angry Fix. Oh, that's great. And then add three more people into the yeah. mix. Yeah. Um, you're using the, you're using uh, just different, uh, just having those different manifestations, like, it gives a lot of that, like, uh, it's like creative optimism, kind of what you were saying with Yanni, where he's like so open to a lot of different things, like, he's serious when he needs to be, but he's also, yeah, very boisterous and fun. It's like you get that that creative optimism of being able to do so many different things just under different projects. Like, I mean, that's like, that's what I feel like being a real, like, musician on the scene is all about. I, I agree entirely, you know, and, and I think there's, um, I'm going to be critical of the scene a little. I think there's not enough of that. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I would that, agree. I, would that agree. I, I think a lot of people say, hey, I do this, and this one thing is what I do, and I do it really well, and yeah. I'm not going to do anything this else. This is what I'm known for. Right. Right, yeah. Um, and and there's, there's a lot of ego in the scene. Yeah. Um, totally. Before we get off topic, I, w I would be remiss if I didn't mention the last member of the band. Oh, go ahead. Please uh, do. Who is um, Zai. Ziosa. Uh, she is a phenomenal singer. Sure. Um, and um, and is doing uh, really great stuff. Um, you know, she's actually, I think she's doing a double major in vocal performance and then also what I did my undergrad in, which is the composition, yeah. um, composition uh, technology. Sure, yeah. yeah. So it, it's phenomenal just to to be able to, to work with another person who has sort of the same background. Right. Someone who has the but same. also brings yeah. their own piece of yeah. bread to the meal, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah totally. incredible. Um, and, and she is phenomenal. And I think it's, you know, one thing, you know, I, I don't, well, we'll bridge back to the ego thing. Yeah. You know, that, Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I've always had a talent for getting the right people in the right room at the right time. Yeah. Um, that's more important so, you know, and it's yeah. like, and you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, honing my craft, but I'm not going to go out there and say I'm the best bass player, the best guitar player. Right. Um, but I've played in enough groups. I've played enough styles that I think my strength is, um, knowing how to fit in the ensemble, mm -hmm. right? Sure. And, yeah. um, 
you know, and, and it's like, I've played a lot of, like, just, you know, big band jazz bass stuff. Yeah. Um, which, frankly, is kind of boring work, because mm -hmm. it's a lot of just laying down the beat on, you yeah, know. Right, right. Um, and so this band is not that. This yeah. is, like, this is a party. You know, yeah. it's like the whole band gets together, we're all having a great time. Uh, you can hear, I think, how much fun we're having. Yeah. Um, I was actually just in the studio with Yanni. He was laying down drum parts for a few things. We're hoping to uh, drop a few tracks a week before our gig. Cool. It's our Milwaukee debut, so we figure exciting. give people something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're big on that right now. Um, that's sort of been our focus is getting in there. Yeah. Uh, in the studio, getting something laid down as yeah. something to show. I like to think that um, Yanni's band, uh, Pineapple Migraine, which is actually currently under a hiatus right now, mm -hmm. but um, we were, I was like, when I had them on the show, um, like, we were talking about that. Where I can hear how much fun they're having because they're very, like, you know, I mean, they're playing, like, the funky, jazzy, mm -hmm. like, tropical-infused um, you know, fusion music, right. and uh, <clears throat> and it's just it's a blast. Like it's a blast for them. Like they're just playing their hearts out. There's so much, you know, just uh, passion. Well, there's there's so much amazing musicianship in that band. Yes, it's like they don't need to try to be amazing right. musicians. Right. they all are, you know, really at the top of the right. game. But at the same time, their whole band and like the, a lot of like the songs that they make, like. It's like all one big inside joke. Oh for yeah, that. let me hit you, mate. You're right. Yeah, like yeah, like a song about hitting you know, vapes. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, there's a lot of love yeah. with those those four guys there. I mean, oh yeah. Um, and, and I've had the pleasure of, of knowing them all and uh, right. really, um, just getting together with them and right uh, and being in the room and and it's like you just you know I think when 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 you're in a when you go see a band and it's people who like each other, yeah, and, right. And uh, there's no chore to playing with yeah. each other, yeah, yeah. You know, and right. it's like, you know, um, if you if you want to get into playing music, you know, I think you need to do it for the joy of playing music. Mm -hmm. And I would I would argue maybe especially in the Milwaukee scene. Because you're going to play a lot of gigs where you're not getting paid enough to be there. Right, yeah. Um, and maybe, and I don't know if that's a Milwaukee scene thing or just a musician thing. Right. Uh, or at least a starting out kind of musician yeah, thing. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you get in the right circles, you start playing shows where you're making money every time. Oh, yeah. But, um, but you know, there's there's countless hours. I mean, here I've, I've mentioned, you know, we were in the studio. We're not getting paid for our studio time. Um, right. a, a lot of people pay for studio time. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have sort of a studio space set up, and we're self-producing. Yeah. Um, but that means there's even more time on my end, mixing and editing and mastering. Yeah. Um, and it's a really time-consuming process, mm -hmm. and I'm not the best at it. There's a reason why there are people. Who all they do is mix, and people who all they do is edit. Right. They're specialized. All they do is, yeah. is master. Um, yeah. But um, I'm I'm kind of a jack of all trades and a master of none in that, and I accept that. Yeah. But I'd rather put.
put in the time doing something I love than pay somebody else to do it. Right. Um, well, I think that that's, but, a, that's a key thing you said because, like, um, you know, I, I've heard bands that are that are like, it's like you question whether or not, like, do they really actually like each other? Mm-hmm. Like, do they? Sure, they they make good music, but it's like, do they, are they friends? Do they hang out? Like, do they genuinely enjoy each other's company? And then they're like, yeah. well. You know, he's like he's just a good drummer, like, and there's not a lot of mm-hmm. drummers out here in the scene. And it's like I got that. Yeah, that that is a real thing with any scene. That is a short like three drummers. Right. The there's scene. a shortage of drummers. That's and that is a band with two of them. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, no, but you know, there's. Um, I think there's. You know, I know. Um, you know, it's like I have friends that that I go back playing music with 10 years and I try and think back to like, you know, I mean, do we do things other than playing music together? And it's like, yeah, but the majority of it is playing music yeah. together because that's how we enjoy each mm-hmm. other's company. That's yeah. how we have a good time together. Right. Um, you know, and, uh, and there's, there's a reality to, to the scene, I think, especially here in Milwaukee where, um, so many people, are in it because it's for the, you know, I mean, I don't know how much glory there is, but whatever glory there is in the scene, you know, people want it. Uh, Or they, you know, they say, oh man, you know, it's a cool way for me to make money and maybe we'll make it big. Right, Um, yeah. You know, or, um, you know, it's like, I know a few, a few people, drummers, actually most of them, uh, who make a living playing music mm-hmm. in 40 different projects. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Yanni is one of them. Yanni, Yanni plays, in, so Yanni many plays in a lot of projects. But he also teaches. He does lessons. And, um, you know, but you don't see him serving coffee or busing tables. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's um, kind of gone the route of, I am going to, you know, he's playing at, like, the jazz estates, you know. Um, yeah in like a week or something mm-hmm. like soon I know um, but he or I think tomorrow I think tomorrow oh, wow. yeah. probably in a week also with yeah. another week. yeah yeah um, you know but he's he is one of these guys who I think has has put his nose to the grindstone worked really hard uh, and continues to work really hard it's not like you work hard to get to a point and then you get to float by right it's a grind oh yeah you're continuously you know innovating what you're doing and yeah. like you're not you're a student to what you do no matter oh, how absolutely. good you get well and he and i were were talking um i had some technical issues with um the the drum kit i have in the studio we heard with some electronic drums um and I was having issues with one of the, the pickups on a cymbal. And, and I said to him, you know, oh man, I, I, I hate to do this because I realized that like right before he got to, to the studio space, um, I said, man, I, I hate to do this, but I mean, are you gonna be okay playing with only one crash cymbal for the, for the recording? And he says, you gave me four toms, a ride, a hi-hat, and a crash? That's four toms and one crash more than I need. <laughs> you know, you yeah. and and you know, and and it occurred to me, and we had a, a long discussion about this, um, about really understanding what sonic space your role is to fill, mm-hmm. um, and so he's he has sort of this beautifully minimalist idea of if I have this 
a crash ride cymbal, I have one cymbal, I have my hi-hats, bass drum, and snare, I can groove with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like 85% of the recording we did was those cymbals. Yeah. And every now and then he'd throw in a, a, right. a tom or something because we had them. Um, yeah, sure. And then beyond that, um, it's like we have a guy who's playing congos and bongos. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's filling the sonic space that a tom tom normally would. Right, have. right. With that so, auxiliary shit. Yeah. So it's, I mean, there's so much um, to think about. And, um, yeah, and this is something that I think is just, you know, if you have a good jazz education, you've learned this, that there's a part that you play, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, and I, and I think there's, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pushing the envelope as the bass player in this group because, mm -hmm. um, you know, what the, the guitar players kind of joke around, oh yeah, he's just the, you know, he's, he's really taken the guitar part of bass guitar to mm -hmm. heart, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe it's because I come as a guitar player. Sure. I'm, right. I'm doing bass technique and, mm -hmm. um, you know, but, but I'm really like filling a, a wide sort of, you know, I'm sort of doing the low to mid. Yeah, uh, right. Race, a wide know, margin. A yeah. wide margin of, of sonic territory. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and so the guitar player's like, well, we don't really need to play low. We're not going to do any chuggy stuff because yeah. Jeremy's got that. He's, he's playing that territory on the bass also. So, yeah. Um, but it, it, there, there's a real, a real uh, thing to that. Sure. Okay. We've, we've kind of rambled and, and gotten pulled in a lot of directions. But yeah, um, no. So I, um, there's actually a couple things I want to um, definitely touch on. Like, mm -hmm. When it comes to, like, there's a really, really good shoegaze band out here that's been playing out here for, like, two decades. They're called Brief Candles. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're, like, they're older folks, and, you know, they've been playing since, like, I think, like, early 2000s, like, something mm -hmm. like that. And, um, you know, they're still playing out here today. Sure. They don't play very often. Yeah. But all of them are in a side yes. project called Blue Unit. Okay. And, um, and I just saw Blue Unit... Uh, like last weekend, and they blew me away. They're so good. Like they're phenomenal. Like so, it's all the same members. Uh, everyone except for the drummer. Okay. Um, but they, like, it's like a brief candle side project, and they're still doing brief candles work, right. but they're doing different things, like swapping instruments mm -hmm. in sure. this side project blue unit, and yeah. that gives them such an expansion of like what they want to do with their music, yeah. and like it makes it so like they're. It's just like they get to capitalize on that versatility, um, which is awesome. And I think you're doing the same thing, playing in so oh, many yeah. different bands and like doing something different with mm -hmm. each project. And also, everything you were saying about how like you know you've become so analytical with music, where like you have so much like attention to detail, like cerebral, as you put mm -hmm. it. Like I think I experienced that with um, with journalism, like. When I did broadcasting in high school, I remember my teacher said, like, after you take this class, you're never going to, like, look at, like, you know, watching the news in the same way mm -hmm. or, you know, watching, like, uh, storytelling videos. Like, you'll never ex examine that in the same way anymore. With actually studying journalism from a collegiate level, I don't read news, period, the same way anymore. I'm yeah. looking at... I'm looking at the bias. I'm looking at the 
like the way the story is constructed. I'm looking at like the grammatical components of like you know the the quotes and the sentences and the how they're how they're like organizing the information. Like now it's like well, you know, I can tell very easily what the agenda of this publication is within the story, or I can oh yeah tell I can tell like well like you know the. Um, just I would have done this differently because like you know I don't feel like this quote like fits here it would have been better over here that kind of thing so it's like I have that analytical brain when it comes to news in general and that's why I don't even really consume that much news these days like yeah. it's more of like I kind of take it or leave it um, I think it's also just yeah. a depressing time to be taking in news. Oh yeah, very much. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, on top of everything you said, uh, word choice, word choice, yeah. huge. The nomenclature, and there and there are certain words that are just loaded. Yeah. Right with meaning. If someone's talking about immigrants versus migrants. Yes. Versus aliens. Yes. Right. It's you, you can know, yeah those undocumented. Immigrants or illegal aliens. It's yeah, like, yeah. A, you know, in the same news story, it might mean the same thing, but the tone is entirely oh, different. Yeah, right. So, uh, and and I, you know, that's something that I really pick up on when I'm reading um, news or um, or really anything. Um, you know, because I think it just comes from, you know, on top of composing music. Um, I'm not so trained in this, but I write. I write poetry. I write lyrics. Um, you know, and uh, you know, and and you know, there are certain songs where it's like certain songs you listen to, and it's like, haven't I heard this song before? Yeah. Haven't I heard this story before? Right. But it was told a lot better by this yeah, person. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's actually kind of something that I I really uh, love doing um, is just taking a song taking the underlying meaning, you know, if you were to, um, you know, if you were to, uh, to just give me the bullet points on like, what is the storyline of this? Yeah. You know, guy writes, um, or a guy grows bored in his relationship. And so he takes out a personal ad, mm -hmm. uh, looking for somebody else. Um, and then it turns out that the person he was already with, answers the personal ad because they were getting bored in a stable right. relationship. Yeah. And then they meet up. What song am I talking? It's like it's you you know, it's if you like pina coladas and Right, yeah. You know, yeah. Um you know, but it's like, alright. So the pina colada stuff is cool, but what if it's, you know, if you like dismantling capitalism and you know right. yeah. it becomes a whole different song. Right? Yeah. Um even though it's like, well, the core story could be the same. Yeah, right. Um, it depends on just, yeah, how it's like, how you're presenting information mm -hmm. or ideas and like condensing it. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes it's, um, you know, I read, um, I forget what paper it was in, but I was reading um, something and it was, it was framed more like storytelling uh, where it was, you know, talking, it was like interviews with, somebody who lives in this neighborhood yeah. and it was more of an opinion piece um, but it was framed as you know Margaret wakes up every morning and waters her garden yeah. 
Oh, you're framing the name, and then, you know, oh, no, the brown people moved in. Right, or right. some conservative people. Yeah, right. It's right. something but, to do with, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's like, oh, you know, you, you, you paint a picture of what you want your reader to, to be thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's manipulative. Uh, and I think all news media is manipulative. Oh, it totally is. You know, it plays uh, it plays on emotion. Right? Yeah, that's why it's so yeah. hard to find a neutral news network. Oh yeah, you can't. It's you, you yeah. Got, you got to watch them all and trust that they're all lying. Virtual and, impossible. And the truth is somewhere in this epicenter that none of them uh, are telling. So your band, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So your band, the Nameless Travelers, is you said it's more of like the more politically very charged, yeah, very very socially conscious. Um, uh, political um, during um, you know the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, I mean, yeah. we we wrote. I mean, we worked quick. I mean, we mm -hmm. we had a song out and we were doing it before he was sworn in. Wow. Um, you know, Damn. Brett the Boogeyman. Oh wow. Um, yeah. You know, and and once he was sworn in, we had to write another verse. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so it's very immediate. Yes, and so I mean, and with that, it's we try and keep it current. Um, we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, also sure. just because it's become exhausting mm -hmm. um, yeah. to do that and depressing. Yeah, uh, you right. know, to try and keep up with everything. Yeah, um, you know, right. It's very like um, it. I mean, yeah, especially when you're making like political music, we, and we were writing. Uh, rehearsing and recording one one new song a month for a while. Wow. Um, trying to keep it current to like this yeah. is what happened this month. Right. Yeah. Um, and and you put in a lot of work and sometimes things happen so quickly. Um, you know, I had I had written a song that was a call to action. You know, justice for Santoya Brown. And then like some good news happened for her. And it's like well, it doesn't really seem worthwhile to finish right. the song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, the call to action thing doesn't quite work when it's something that needed to have been done in the past. Right. Yeah, um, sure. That makes sense. And that was wonderful. And see, you know, if, if I had um, maybe been more socially aware um, of Centoya Brown, you know, 20 years ago when I was seven, um, yeah. you know, I could have written that song and, and been rallying for it right. sooner. Yeah. Um, and it would have had like some sort of like, uh, you know, lasting impact. Yeah, I mean, you know, but it, it, at a certain, you know, at, at the time, it looked like, you know, she was going to rot in prison. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's when I was writing the song. I was like, you know, and, and, it, and it was in all the ugly details sort of recounting her story. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean, it gets to be very... It's very emotionally taxing, mm -hmm. you know, to sort yeah. of really start digging into, um, you know, that kind of work. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of political yeah. music is uh, punk or yeah. it's like really aggressive, like hardcore music, yeah. because it's very like it just sounds emotional. It's not right. simply like not simply like the lyrics or the message mm -hmm. are emotional, but just it's very abrasive and angry and like loud and sharp. Yeah. Like, well, and, and this was, 
I, I would argue, not really punk. Um, it, was, it was it's more like a folk rock you know, idea, sort of Americana. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, sort of a, a maybe even a country-influenced thing. Sure. You know, and, and so we're not trying to sound angry, but again, I think maybe it, it's because it's me writing a lot of it, and it comes back to sort of an analytical, like, here's the issue, here's how we got here, here's how we can fix it. Um, you know, because one of the things that... So, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're in your 20s. You probably remember this, um, you know, to some extent. But, like, when Green Day released American Idiot. Right. 2005. 2005, right? We're in a post-9-11 um, world, and everybody's thrown around, you know, George Bush's Adolf Hitler. Yeah. It's like, man... We're living in a time where I really wish we hadn't spent all our Adolf Hitler ammunition of calling politicians that. Right, yeah. It's kind of like it's meaningless to say it now. Right. I don't want to say meaningless, but it's it's lost its impact. Right. It's we're desensitized. To we're it. desensitized yeah. to that. Um, you know, and so you know, I'm very careful to not be angry, but maybe go more into satire. Uh, maybe yeah. go more into. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's a more lasting, powerful tool is if yeah. you can say, you know, some, some of the stuff we do is is sort of like in character. You know, sure, where, yeah. um, you know we have a song, um, Tijuana Sky, and it's, a, it's about, uh, you know, immigration and the yeah. southern border. Sure. Um, and, you know, I wrote this song when I heard that they were tear gassing immigrants at the border, you know. Um, and uh, the whole chorus of the song is, I sort of rewrote the, uh, the inscription uh, from the Statue of Liberty uh, to say, you know, give me your tired, poor, your huddled masses, but no caravans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, you know, brown people weren't part of the plan. And, yeah. Uh, you know, leave those shithole countrymen at my golden right. Yeah. And was, that's not what we believe in the man. That's not our message. Um, and so we always start with a disclaimer to say, you know, there are going to be some offensive things that we're going to say here, um, but know that it's not our beliefs, but the sad thing is that there are a lot of people in this country where this does reflect their beliefs, and this is lampooning that. This is satire. This is yeah. a caricature of it. Right. Um, Which and a lot of com comedy does that. Comedy a lot, does especially. that a lot. I mean, you look at somebody like uh, Stephen Colbert, who sort of made his right. career off of being the inflated caricature of the conservative. Yeah, right. You look at uh, SNL. SNL, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's, you know, we try to do it in a respectful way that we can interject a little humor into something that is not a funny issue and not a... a a comedic thing, right. but it's a way for us to, I think, better engage with it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and really go from there. It, it makes it hard to play in bars, because yeah, uh, people yeah. don't necessarily want to be thinking about politics. Right, 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 um, yeah. And when they do, they get, you know, there's the whole, like, angry bar people. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, they've had a couple drinks and they. And, yeah. and you know, we've we've been lucky enough to avoid that um, up to this point. <laughs> Good. Um, and and I think honestly, it's because we're we're not, you know, we're not out there saying Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. Uh, we're out there 
saying, hey, this is stupid and silly and here's why. And we're going to make fun and of it. And we're going to make fun of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and with somebody like Donald Trump, it's like, you know, I think maybe that makes more sense. Yeah. You know, is that, is that he hates to be made fun of. So oh, yeah. we make fun of him. He's insecure as fuck. Yeah. So yeah. like, we're going to, yeah, you so know, we're going to play on his insecurities. Yeah, right. And that's going to be, because, you know, he'd come back with something like Idi Amin did to say, oh, you compare me to Hitler. That means I'm a strong man and that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. You know, um, which if you think about it, dictators are often some of those insecure people. Yeah. Ever, you know, yeah. that the, you know, they're they're authoritarian, uh, you know, ways of uh, politics and, and controlling people is based on their 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 yearning for that sense of control to in order to make themselves feel yes. good. Yes, and, and, and you know, Donald Trump has made a lifelong career of building a house of cards to make himself seem more grandiose, to make his fortune seem more grandiose, right. um, to make his impact seem more grandiose right. than it really is. Yeah, that's why like you can fact check so much of the things he says, and a lot of it is just, you know, it's just completely, it's oversimplified, it's just, yeah. it's baseless claims. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't, I don't want to Necessarily get political on, oh, right. on your uh, your show. Oh, which I've done before, but um, yeah. But for the sake but, of time, yeah, um, absolutely. Because we could go all day. Oh, we could. I'm sure we could, right? But uh, I, and I got more recording to do. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah, um, no. sure. But yeah, no. It's it's been, um, you know, I mean, it, it is a scary, depressing political climate that we're in right now. Um, you know, and. You know that it's like whether whether you know if if you don't like Donald Trump, then it's like you know that you live in a climate that is unjust, that is bigoted. Um, you know, and I think Donald Trump has brought. You know, I, it's not that he made anybody bigoted. But I think he's emboldened a lot of yeah. people, and we're starting to see it now. Right. He's made people more comfortable with their bigotry. Yeah. In a lot well, of and I think, and I think his administration has um, justified people's own bigotry. Yeah. Right. Um, through misinformation, mm -hmm. um, and again, sort of using these pointed terms, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, when when we're okay with our with our our president saying, you know, uh, I don't want people from shithole countries. Yeah. Like quote. That's not a paraphrase, that's a quote. Right, right. Yeah. You like, know? And it's like um, you have a bunch of people saying like, well he's just telling you like it is. I'm like, well And it's like, you know, I don't think those people would be so vocal if they didn't get the 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 symbolic okay. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. To use the same kind of language and the same kind of, um, you know, and then, you know, people are gonna. Yeah. I mean, like we we had, you know, these mass shooters who are, you know, MAGA all over their Facebook, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and saying, you know, they're basically. I, I think it was a a political cartoon in the New Yorker. There's a guy in a MAGA hat getting his guns. You know, watching. Um, 
you know, watching uh, Donald Trump on TV saying like, you know, your wish is my command kind of thing. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, there are people who are interpreting whether or not Donald Trump says, hey, go shoot somebody. He hasn't, right? Um, but he's, he's giving sort of the mental justification to unstable people and maybe just hateful people. Right. I don't even want to blame it on, on mental illness. Oh, right, right. I know what you're I saying. think anybody who thinks it's a it's okay to go massacre other people, you know, there, there's some sort of misfire there's somewhere hatred. where there's hatred, and I think hatred blinds people. Oh, yeah, um, totally. To logic. Right. You know? And so, again, you know, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that that we've really tried to think about as, you know, and, and again, it's a very cerebral approach here where it's like, it feels good to yell and scream and call names. Right. Um, like so many amazing punk bands have done. Right, yeah. Um, but you just have like, I got, I got I got achy joints, I can't play <laughs> punk. Um, right, right, yeah. You know, so, so for us, it's more about Yelling about it isn't really going to be an effective means to change, you know. So how do we do something where if we can change one person's outlook, you know, or, or at least give a different narrative to what somebody else would normally hear, um, then, you know, we've done our job, you know, I think. Yeah, we're gonna make uh, fun of it. And we're, yeah, we're gonna make fun of your outlook. And yeah, make you feel dumb. And if you didn't know what kind of show you were walking into, you're gonna find out really fast. Um, there we go. So, um, angry fix, not so much political. Right. Um, but um, but a lot of fun. Um, you know, I like to say it's shoegaze meets avant garde. Oh, cool. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, right because. Own. Because it, it is, you know, like I said, I mean, we have band members who are coming, you know, more from the scene and just, you know, more of a, um, I, I don't say this with, with any derision or anything, but to say garage rock, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and then we've got, you know, a number of, of the, the bandmates coming from sort of more academic uh, musical right, like yourselves, like myself and yeah. like Yanni and like Zai. Although Yanni is sort of at a weird... Uh, cross section because he's classically trained jazz drummer and he plays you know 500 gigs a year yeah. uh, you yeah. know so uh, talking several in a day yes yeah. yeah like I I 500 is probably a stretch but not that many You're right probably 300 a year sure probably gets a few days off yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but um, yeah I mean it's it's a uh, it's been a really fun experience for that, but um, I, I'm sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained here. Oh, no, no, it's but, okay. It's uh, one of the things that that I, I really love about about this band, um, and, I, and again, I wish there was more of it in the scene. Is there's no ego, mm -hmm. there's no egos in the band. Um, you know, you see. I don't know if it's particularly in the Milwaukee scene or if it's really any local scene. Um, I haven't ventured far enough outside of Milwaukee right, to make yeah. that call. Um, 
But people think that success is like pie. If they get some, that means I get less. And it's not how it is. It's not know. nonsense. If you know, you look. I look at somebody like Webster X, oh, yeah. who's had really quite a bit of success. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's a very, very genuine guy. Genuine guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam's great. He's mm -hmm. been doing a lot of really yeah. great work, but he elevates the entire Milwaukee scene. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he when he's successful, when he's getting airplay, people say, "Hey, who is that? Where's he from?" And then they want to know who else is from Milwaukee. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and it's not. He's just excited about it, so that must be something. Right. That well, must be something noteworthy. Exactly. And I think for for a long time, uh, Milwaukee musicians have wanted to get out of Milwaukee and go to Chicago, right. L.A., L.A., yeah. Minneapolis, Denver, and those and those are also great scenes. Right. But Milwaukee is never going to get to that place if people don't stick around, if people aren't excited about it. And I think a huge thing that has to happen is it needs to change. That one Milwaukee. What, I mean, one person's success will, will bring success to everyone else. And I think there's too many people in this scene, I'm not going to name names, right. um, yeah. you know, but there are a lot of people, I think, who you know, are talking trash about mm -hmm. other musicians. Right. You know, we all know there's... They're competitive. They're, and it's okay to be competitive, but you don't need to pull somebody else down to raise yourself up. Oh, yeah, right. You know? And I think that's the issue, is there's... Um, you know, to try and outdo somebody is great because that means you're raising your own level right. of how much you're going to do and how much you're going to put in. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you don't want to be like knocking other people off of gigs right. and you don't want to be, um, you know, doing that. And, and there's, there's a huge, uh, you know, something that I've seen, again, you know, since I started you know, gigging here as an undergraduate student, um, is that there's sort of an insular circle of Milwaukee musicians. Mm -hmm. And if you're not part of their club, you don't get to be, you don't get in. You know? Right. Um, yeah, the exclusivity. Th there is an exclusivity there. And, and I don't think that's really how it ought to be because that's how you, and it's okay, you know, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, recycling band members and trying different yeah. things. Uh, and I think there is a positive to that, um, but bring other people in, you know, right. into the fold and right. into the the family. So, oh, of know. course, yeah, like uplift. Uh, just I think that like everything you're saying is akin to we need to like just uplift each other more and not be so focused on our our like you know personal glories and look at like well what are we working towards? You know, we're, we should be working towards like. This is like a collective effort that all of us want, rather than just I'm in it for me and right. myself. I, I, yeah. I yes, and, and, I, and I think yeah. that that translates politically, musically. I mean, oh, it's yeah. a cultural thing in general. I think, yeah, um, that you know we need to think about um, each other. You know, I mean, one of the political. Uh, here I said I didn't want to get political. Yeah, go I want ahead. to get a little go political. Sure. Um, you know, do. one of the things that I, I hear a lot, um, and a lot of times it's from from baby boomers, is to say, "Well, I worked so hard for this. Why should it be free for them?" 
I know, yeah. Right? And, I, and I say, yeah. I want college to be free. I want there to, you know, I mean, I don't know how it is going to happen, but I want medical coverage. I want college. I want things like this because it will better us as a society. Mm -hmm. I don't have kids. I don't plan on playing kids. I don't mind paying my taxes to right. pay for public schools right. because I want a more educated yeah. society. So why does it stop at 18? Right. It's like, um, it's like that whole thing where it's like, well, I went through all this so everyone else should have to. Right. Like, and it's like, no, no, no. You went through this. So that other, so, so that it should be easier, it should be a little easier. Yeah. And I, I've thought a lot about this, and you know, we've we've talked a little bit of Judaism, um, at the very beginning. At the very beginning, yeah. and I'll, I'll bring it back full circle. Please and, do. And to me, the core tenet of Judaism is tikkun olam, uh, yeah. to make the world a better place than when you came into it. I think that's everybody's purpose in life, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so, if I can make life a little bit better for the next generation that's my that's not just my goal that's my duty mm -hmm. right? right as as a jew as a citizen of this earth yeah you know that's right. that's what i need to be doing in our circles in the community in we the need to industry do it, we need to do it for the industry for the country for the world i mean it's you know it you need to think that way about everything yes you know and you know, we, we've talked about, you know, musicians who are always hustling. I'm no different. I teach, you know, 35 hours a week, yeah, right. um, sometimes 40 hours a week, you know, teaching guitar lessons uh, and piano lessons or whatever else. I teach, you know, between UWM and Alverno, I'm teaching music theory courses, uh, another 50% of full time. You know, it's yeah. like, um, I teach a lot. I gig, not as much as I'd like. I'd like to gig more, mm -hmm. but I teach a lot, and um, you know, and there's there's a, a reality to it that you know, I I like to think you know, I've had students who ask me, you know, it's like, well, why why do you spend so much time teaching? You know, you're you're a good musician. You should go play more. And I say, I play more, and I make a few bucks, and that's a good thing. But if I teach. You know, I might see 50 students at Guitar Center a week, yeah. which is a huge number of private students to be right. seeing. Um, but if I can get half of them in bands, and let's say 10 years down the road, five years down the road, five weeks down the road, there are another 25 bands, <laughs> you know, um, that have all started up in the Milwaukee area. Yeah. And, and, you know, from these young kids in the future generation, um, that means that when I go to a bar or I go to a restaurant or I go to Summerfest, I'm going to see people I know. I'm going to see bands with talented musicians in them. Um, and, and that's really, you know, what it's after is like, look, you know, I mean, I can, I can play all the gigs I want. And I and believe me, I'm trying. Yeah, um, right, but yeah. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like I want there to be. I want to be able to spread that joy. I want to be able to, you know, help mold a, a scene that in the future is not going to be so insular. That is going to be uh, accepting of of you know a lot, you know, just a lot more open, a lot more accepting of different styles of more people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that's. 
you know, that's how I kind of see myself fulfilling that tikkun olam, mm -hmm. at least partially, uh, within, um, within, you know, the scene right now. Yeah. Uh, All right, Jeremy. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm a tall drink warrior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, uh, great conversations about, um, you know, the, this being a versatile musician, um, being multifaceted and also, uh, you, you know, be versatile in, in whatever you do. Right. Right. And also just the, just the full circle political aspects of doing music and the scene you're in and everything like that. Like it is all pretty intertwined, I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, music has, has never not been political. Yeah. Right. So. Right. At the end of the day, po politics plan sociology, which also plays into the human condition. So. You know, and, you know, it, it comes back to art imitating life, life imitating art, and politics is life. It is. You know, and so yeah. there's, there's no cycle. It's all holistic. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Jeremy, tell me what keeps you up at night. What keeps me up at night? Uh, this coffee. No, yeah, no, right, right. No, what keeps me up at night, you know, is um, if I had to think about it, it would be, um, you know, as much as as I hope that, that, that I'm sort of helping to shape the future scene, I'm never going to be able to hear all of that great music. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm never going to... Um, to know, you know, if I've had an impact or how much of an impact I've had, you know, really down yeah. the road. I hope I will. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But otherwise, you know, I sleep like a baby. Good. Yeah. You know, so. I was gonna say, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep is a pillow, man. A pillow. Right. No, what puts me to sleep is knowing that you know every day I've gone out, I've given um, the best, you know, effort that I can, uh, and. And, you know, try to, to be a positive impact and change the world for the better. I would say that uh, you're doing God's work out here. Um, and uh, I also like how you had the dynamic of the simple thing that keeps you up and puts you to sleep, but also the, the <laughs> philosophical <laughs> thing, too. So, well, it's all holistic, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. It's been great to be here. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, so, uh, and also, yeah, like we were saying, uh, Takuna alum, leave the world uh, a better place than how you entered it. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.